have any of you ever hosted a big party before? Anybody? Like a big thing. Like you were in charge of, you had to pull it together. Here's, here's a way of thinking about it. Is anybody in this room in charge of your family's Thanksgiving plans? Anybody? Like be brave. Like you're an awesome person. Okay. Handful of you. I mean, you're the one like planning out, is it turkey or ham or both? Who's bringing the beans? Who's doing? Right. It's a lot of work that goes into planning a big dinner party. For me, when it comes to Thanksgiving... I am a free loader. I just, my mother-in-law throws down a spread and I just love all the food that she prepares and everybody else brings. I do nothing. It's not that I do nothing. Actually, for many years, I've been the designated prayer. I mean, I'm like the pastor in the family. So they're like, I mean, who's going to bless this food? Oh, it's got to be you. But I even lost my job recently doing that the last couple of years. My, my niece, she's four years old. Like she's, she's got a mean prayer. And so like, they don't even ask me anymore. So, but I'm cool because I love mashed potatoes and I love all of the trimmings that go with potatoes is the main meal, by the way, at, at Thanksgiving for me. Um, if you've been to a fancy party, you might have been to a banquet. Anybody ever been to something you call a, a banquet? Now, a banquet's a little bit more than just a dinner party. With a banquet, like, your goal is to be fancy, okay? Your goal is to be seen. It's not quite a banquet, but, like, maybe if you did prom in, in high school, like, there's food involved, but really it's about dancing. Sometimes there's dancing at banquets, but same idea. It's like, who did I go with? What did I wear? What did I drive up in? Like, this is the concept of a banquet. People get dressed up for a banquet. Men who own one tie, they will wear that tie. If it's not a funeral or a wedding, they will wear it at a fancy banquet. Maybe you've been at a banquet that was like a fundraiser dinner for some organization, and and they came together and they kind of schmoozed you a little bit before they asked you for money. Like, that's a banquet. And we're talking about banquets this morning because I'm telling a story. Actually, Jesus told this story. But I want to kind of give you a, a rundown on the story that Jesus told that was about a banquet that I think might be the best way to conclude this series that we've been in since Easter. We've been in this series called Kingdom Come in Wilmington as it is in heaven. And the idea is... Jesus was teaching us how to pray one time, and he gives kind of this model prayer, and he says, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've been exploring that. What does it mean for God's kingdom to come to the earth? If you have missed some of this teaching, this is fundamental, basic, 101, most important, most exciting stuff about what it means to be a Christian, by the way. So if you missed some of this, I want to send you back to our podcast. We've got them all on there. If you'd rather watch video, we, we, we bank all of our sermons on YouTube, on our channel. We even have a playlist for every sermon series. So if you want to go back and watch that, go see it. Um, because we talked in the first week on Easter Sunday, we talk about our king. If the kingdom of God is the most important thing that we could know about, and I mean, that's probably stretching it. There's a lot of things you could say that about, but it's pretty important. Who is the king of this kingdom? And so we talked about him. He's a different type of king for a different type of kingdom. And he comes and he brings a heavenly character and he brings a spiritual authority because he can do something for our souls that no other king or governor or police chief or you know, school principal, like whatever authority that you have in your life, nobody else can do for your soul what King Jesus can do. That was the first week. The second week we talked about the kingdom. Like, what is the kingdom of God? Is that what you experience, like, after you die, if you were a good person, and you go there with all dogs who apparently go to heaven, right? Like, is that, is that what the kingdom of God is? And what we explained was, like, not necessarily. Sure, there's the presence of Jesus after we, we die, but we really don't have a great picture of that. But what we do have a good picture of is what Jesus came to establish, which was, and I love this phrase that I stole uh, from a teacher named Tim Mackey, and I don't know if he made it up or who did, but he said that the kingdom of God is us bringing pockets of heaven everywhere we go. So no matter where you go, if you know King Jesus and you're living within his kingdom, everywhere you go should be different because you're bringing something to uh, the party as 
as it were. So the king, the kingdom, uh, we had Brian Harris preach one week and he shared some things about his, his uh, walk in the kingdom of God. And then last week we turned the camera back on ourselves to the citizens of the kingdom. And we said, what does it look like to grow in God? Like how can we go from where I am to where God wants me to be? And we really, I hope that was encouraging to say, listen, God has got growth for you. Wherever you're walking, there are ways that you can grow and walk with him. So that's been the, season, this, the series. And as we wrap up this week, I mean, Jesus talks so much about the kingdom of God. And I, I really wrestled with which of the many times that he taught do I want to land on. And I decided to go to this time when Jesus was talking about a banquet. He's going to use the banquet as a metaphor for the kingdom of God, as he does so well with so many of his teachings. And if you want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 14. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. Luke, chapter 14, is near the end of your Bible, one of the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look it up in your index if you haven't memorized your books of the Bible yet. Uh, and then also, if you need a Bible, I want you to know, we always give away free Bibles. Like, yours to keep if you want them. Go to the, the door back here. There's a shelf. Just grab it. No one's even going to stop you. Uh, you can use it for the service today and put it back afterwards if you're done. Or if you just need a Bible, take it. It's yours. It's a gift. Um, and so we'll be in Luke chapter 14. We're going to be starting at verse 7. And while you flip there, let me just give you a little bit of background. Uh, we start out talking about banquets because Jesus was at a fancy party, a banquet. He was at this special meal at someone's house, and in the midst of this meal, he sees some things going on that he wants to address. And in that, he's going to teach us something about the kingdom that he came to establish. And what he sees is, and maybe you've experienced this, he sees people clamoring for position. They want to be seen. In this culture, where you sit at a dinner banquet says a lot about your status in society. And so people are clamoring to get to the front of the table or to sit next to the guests of honor or to be seen or to be heard. And so he sees them doing that. And he's like, okay. And I love Jesus. Like if you're a parent, uh, I've heard this phrase, teachable moments. Like you see something happening with your kids and you've been wanting to teach them this thing anyway, but you're like, okay, this is a perfect moment. He uses this teachable moment to explain something about the character of someone in the kingdom of God and also about the values and the goals of God's kingdom as a whole. So we're going to pick up Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 7, just with Jesus noticing these guys clamoring for position. Verse 7. When he, Jesus, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, uh, Can you get this guy your seat? Then, humiliated, you will have to take the only available seat left, the place of least importance. But when you're invited, this is what you should do. Take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, Oh, friend, move on up. Get a better place. And then you will be honored in the presence of all other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. All those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you're looking for the nugget of wisdom in this parable, that last sentence was it, by the way. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled. We've all seen the movie where the mean kid in the high school gets like lunch dumped on their head. You know, it's like, <laughs> all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. All those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's a big principle in the kingdom of God. So remember, fancy banquets are about looking good. You know, it's about showing up at the prom in the nicest car. It's about having the nicest, you know, suit and dress on and everything. It's about who you walk in. It's about what you look with. And, and so Jesus sees this going on. 
And at these banquets, at these situations, and especially in the first century, you could maybe gain some social status if you got in the right place, right? And this is true in your life. It's politics. It's basic politics. So other people at the party is like, eh, you see Bill? He was sitting up there next to uh, the guest of honor. I should give him a call this week. Give him some business. Scratch his back. I'll scratch his. He'll scratch mine. That kind of thing. And so, so Jesus basically calls these people. I was like, you, you're acting like a bunch of high schoolers at the prom. Stop it. Like, this is, this is silly. You're going to. So first of all, he's giving us just some good, like, social etiquette advice. Like, beyond spiritual stuff, this is just good advice. Like, don't, don't make a fool of yourself. You're not as important as you think you are. Lower yourself. And then people will put you where you belong. So on the surface, he's just teaching this etiquette. And you've probably experienced this. Have you ever been in a room and like someone walks in and waves? And you're like, oh, hey, and you wave. And then they stop waving and you're still waving and y'all haven't made eye contact. And then they wave again. And you, you realize like they're waving at the person behind you. And you're like, hey, yo, yeah, because I was just, man, my wrist. Because you know, like you feel stupid because you're like, he wasn't even talking to me. Or you go to like intercept a handshake or a high five and it wasn't intended for you. Like this is the basic social etiquette thing Jesus is trying to help them avoid. But I think he's also more than just trying to help us avoid an awkward moment. He's trying to teach us something about the kingdom of God. I've already mentioned, and by the way, this whole message could be about this. I've already mentioned this basic concept of humility. And so he drops that on them real hard. But then he's going to go on and give them some more teaching to give them another opportunity to teach them about the, the kingdom of God. So we're going to pick up at verse 12. So then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon... Or a dinner. Do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so that you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So important fact here. Anytime we're reading Jesus' teaching, the first thing to do is look at his audience, the context. Uh, we, we, as modern Americans, think that everything is for me. Everything's for me. Everything's for me. Everything's catered to me. That's actually not true. That's just a fact. But he wasn't actually talking to you or to me in this scenario. I believe there's a lot we can glean from it. But he's talking to a specific group of people that he's sitting with. It's these religious leaders. And there have been many times uh, where Jesus has called them out. Because the problem was their focus was not on the things that God was focused on. That was a problem. So when he, when he sees them clamoring for attention and the people that they invite to their parties, he says, listen, I, I want you to first of all know, I mean, it's cool that you got invited to this party. But there are people outside that haven't been invited. They're not here. Let's remember them. Let's think about it. So this is just like the, the basic context. And so he uses this as an opportunity to teach them about something about the kingdom of God. Now, I, I want to I kind of give us a, uh, kind of explain this a little bit. Uh, we talked about the king. We talked about the kingdom. We talked about the citizens. That's kind of being the flow of our series. But today what I want to do is look outside the walls. It seems really practical for us to compare this banquet analogy to Sunday morning church. And honestly, that's a, that's a decent comparison. But I also want us to understand that we're not talking about people who don't attend church. Though your attendance at church does probably show some indication of how much you're connected to the kingdom of God. But what Jesus is looking at these guys going, doing is saying, listen, you got a meal here. There are some people who are not at your meal. Let's see what it means to bring them in to the meal. He's like, guys, when you have a banquet... Don't invite your friends and your siblings and your neighbors. 
which like to me is really awkward advice for party giving. Um, I've, I've hosted a lot of things in my house and I'm gonna be honest, I have had people over my house that we did not know and that did not know each other. We do this every year, uh, like the first or second week of, of college. When UNCW starts, I meet kids through things that I do on campus and I invite them to my house. And then inevitably like, inevitably, like five to 10 students show up who don't know each other, they don't know us and it's super awkward, you know? And, and eventually they become best friends and it's great. But like the first time, so you've been to these things, but this is Jesus's actual advice. When you have a party, don't invite a bunch of people that you know. Now, is it okay to invite people to your house that you do know? Yes, that's not Jesus's point. He's making a bigger point about the kingdom of God. But what he's saying is, listen, when it comes to loving people in my name, this is not a game of politics where you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I know that one thing that a lot of people have been hurt by by the church, and that's why our motto as a church is church for people who don't like church. We don't say that because we don't like church. Actually, we, we love church, but we realize there have been some walls that have been keeping people out of the kingdom of God, and one of that is our stinking goody-goody attitudes. It's like, you're not welcome here. You follow me? And maybe you haven't experienced that. I'm really glad if you haven't. Uh, but there is a real there's a reality that some places where believers in God gather and worship, there's just really not an inroad for someone else who doesn't already know something to get in. So one of our goals is always to create passageways in, you know? That's why we do things at the park all the time. That's why we do things midweek. Also, we don't have a building, so it's convenient. Uh, even as we have a building, when that's coming soon to us, we, we want to be a group of people who's like, no matter what your background, no matter what your baggage, we want to tear down the walls that might have made it difficult for you to connect with God. We want to bring you in. So this is Jesus's point. There are people outside the walls who need to know what's going on. And we can't just alienate them because they're different. And so back to the story, he's going to continue in verse 16 with this parable. He says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. You've done that. That's when, you know, mom's in the kitchen like, Soup's on, right? Like this is, this is what's going on. Come, everything is ready. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, mm, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. You guys know how that is, right? I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married. I can't come. So the servant came back and he reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, well, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. Have you heard that list of things before? Jesus just said it a minute ago. So it's, anytime Jesus says something more than once, it's like when your mama says it more than once, you should pay attention. This is a group of people that are outcast, they're marginalized, they're forgotten. Yes, there's a specific group, they're poor, crippled, blind and, blind and lame. And in this culture, this would have been one of the most difficult groups of people to get into the inner circle. And in our culture, it might be those and others. But this is like categorically people who just don't get invited to stuff. I'm not talking about popularity. I'm talking about access to God's truth. This is the kingdom of God metaphor. And so apparently he went and did that. He invited the blind and the cripple and the lame and all that. And uh, so verse 22 says, sir, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room in the banquet. So then the master told his servant, 
will go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Ouch. So, I can so relate to this banquet guy. Uh, have you ever tried to plan an event that involved volunteers? Anybody? Uh, man, we are the least committal society in the history of the world. I'm telling you, it's rough. I'm like Everyone's like, yeah, I'll be there. I'll totally be there. Unless I decide not to be there. Then, in which case, I will not be there. But otherwise, you can count on me, right? And I'm like, whoo. Like, can I just, I mean, just a society. I, I, not, not just for the church, though it's also true here. Uh, but I work with a lot of organizations in scheduling volunteers and getting people to commit to things. Can we just agree? Like when you commit to something, just do it. Just do it. You'll probably be fine. You're going to be all right. And apparently this is not a new problem. This poor dude is having the same problem. So, so he calls him up and he's like, listen, there's a banquet. Come over to my banquet. And there's a lot to go into organizing the banquet. You got to make the food. You got to get the tables. You got to get the place settings. You got to get, I don't know what they did in first century banquets. But it was a lot of work. And he's like, the banquet's ready. And then all these people that he put the work in for, they just, they just don't show up. And they've got excuses. One thing about this host is that he wants his banquet hall to be filled. Now, this is, this is a parable, okay? We're going to get to each person in this parable represents someone in real life. This isn't about a banquet. I can't emphasize this enough. This is the kingdom of God. But the host wants his house to be filled. And the guests back out because they've got excuses. Um, now, this host has a couple of options, okay? Like, he, he could come to a place where he's like... Nobody can make it. He could save face. The first thing he could do is, you know what? I'm not free for a banquet either. I'm going to cancel the banquet. In this society, it would be embarrassing if you threw a party and nobody showed up. Or in today's society, has anybody ever like done a thing? Like, oh, nobody came. Um, like, it's embarrassing. So he could have saved face and he could have said, no, nah, we're just not going to do the banquet. He could have gone and tried to drum up some more high-collar business and be like, hey, you guys uh, want to come to a party? She's got some extra stuff at the house if you want to come. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he does something that no other host at this time would have done. He goes to his servants and he said, listen, uh, we got this great banquet banquet prepared here. The people that we invited aren't going to come. But you know what? That's their loss. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill this room at all costs. And I want you to start out by going out to the alley quickly and find the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This is the same list that Jesus mentioned earlier because he's trying to teach these religious leaders. Like there's a group of people that you're forgetting. You're missing them. They're outcasts. They're marginalized. And those people came. Guess what? They had time. They also had a desire. They wanted community. They wanted food. They wanted to be. They wanted to be fed. They wanted to be filled. So of course they came. At this point, the people listening to Jesus would have been like, you ever like open the refrigerator and you realize there was something nasty in there? And you make that face. There are people listening to Jesus right now. He's like, invite the blind and the cripple and the lame. And the people listening were like, huh? To my party? These are the icky people. These are the people that nobody's going to associate with. Are you suggesting that we invite them to our party? And then when there's still more room, he says, go out into the countrysides. Just go out to them country people where it's miles between their houses. Go find people who are hungry for what I've got and invite them in. There's an urgency to the kingdom of God to communicate with those who are not in the walls yet about the goodness of God, what he has for them, what he can do for them. 
what he promises them. This is a parable. I want to break this down. I, I, I gather and I, I get that this is a little bit abstract. And we don't do a lot of teaching like this in our modern days. And so when you look at these teachings that Jesus does, there's generally like a one-to-one comparison between every character in the story and God and us in the world. And so the host of the banquet is, guess, who is it? It's God. It's God or Jesus. It's God, you know? And so God is hosting a banquet. The banquet is the kingdom of God on this earth. The things that the people of God are a part of and that those pockets of heaven, they're talking about everywhere that you go, you know, you're bringing that with you. Uh, And the people invited to the banquet initially are, now in this context, remember, is these religious leaders that Jesus is talking to. Uh, And so there's a lot of context for them there. But I, I think it's more important for us today, I think it could represent church people. Church people. Um, and these are the people who know about God's goodness. These are the people who know uh, what he's done for them. And, and a lot of church people are good at just like, I got my seat at the table. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to come to church on Sundays. I'm going to maybe, uh, you know, sponsor a kid in Mexico through this great ministry. Good things, but I'm set and there's really no need for anybody else to have any space with me. Uh, and I've talked to people who go to churches who like literally, literally a family can kind of like reserve a pew. And this is like, this is my family's pew. Like if, and if we don't come to church, please don't sit there. And if you're a guest, uh, there's seats at the back for you. This is real life in the church today. Okay. So Jesus is not far off from what he's talking to these Jewish religious leaders about. And so that, those are those. And so the banquet host says, Cool. If you don't want to be at my banquet, see your way out. There's so much we could talk about here. But there's a point that I believe that we need to know is that if we're going to be in the kingdom of God, it's about being in the game, doing kingdom work. Not everyone has to start a global uh, school system. <laughs> but what about, what about you at work? What about you as a parent? When you walk around, when you speak with people, as you are interacting with those around you, they need to be able to see the pockets of heaven that surround you because of your generosity, because of your kindness, because of your love. You work your best to not have that stinking attitude and to be hateful and to be rude, to be sinful. Sin is a big deal. Got to get it out of our life. Jesus covers our sins. He forgives us. But there's still, a, there's like an onus on each one of us to stop some of these things. And people need to look at our life and be like, you're different. Because if you're at the banquet, you need to be eating the food. You need to be filling yourself and growing. That's kind of what we talked about last week. And then there's the people that are outside, okay? And by now, you're probably picking it up, and you probably already understand it, but I want to make sure we're on the same page. There are the outcasts. There are the marginalized. There are the people who are hurting and can't get in, okay? And so, yes, the church has one of the biggest calls in the world to work with people who are hurting, like physically, emotionally, psychologically, financially, actually hurting, That's why historically, hospitals have been started by churches. Missionaries go in and do things in communities before the government does. Like the Christians should be the first. I love that where we're stepping into our new building here, there's been a reputation for the past couple of decades that maybe that's not, you know, the best area of town. I don't know objectively what it's like every day there, but if that's remotely true, praise God that we get to go there and shine light, right? And so there's this opportunity to be involved in that. That, That's the the broken, the hurt. But then also like out in the countryside, I love that little piece of it because it's like, oh, did you get everybody? I mean, it's not everybody. Like go farther, (laughs) go out farther, go out to the 
find them. They, they know about them in Bergal yet? Like, I don't know. You know, like, get, get out there and go find, go find people. And, and you know, it's, it's a metaphor. It's a parable. This is a picture of God's priorities in the kingdom of God. That there's always room at the table for one more. That's the takeaway today. There's always room at the table for one more. Maybe you've been one who's been invited to the banquet. You've had your seat for a while and you find yourself making those excuses. I just bought five oxen. (laughs) You probably didn't buy any oxen recently, but maybe your schedule has been so packed because after all, your kid is so good at basketball. I mean, they're probably going to offer them a scholarship and we should probably put every minute into her, you know, athletic career. And before long, she has missed seven years of church and youth group. And maybe she'll get a scholarship, but like the priorities have been set by the family. We have excuses. And as parents, guys, we can't just like, our kids can't drive our calendar. Jesus needs to drive our calendar. Or maybe for you, it's just that, you know, the surfing is really good on Sunday mornings. (laughs) Like I got to get out there and I got to just surf. And you know, it's also good on Monday evenings and Tuesday evenings and like every day. Like when I'm not working, basically I need to be surfing. Like I know so many people in our city who that's where they are. That's, That's great. Maybe for you, it's just that, like, I've just been through a lot. I've been through a lot. I can't right now. I get it. But if you have a seat at the table of God, I want you to know we have a calling to love those who are outcast and marginalized and to go out beyond our beyond ourselves and invite people to the banquet. I, I want to clarify with this, okay? And I say this all the time. It's okay to have hobbies. It's totally okay to play basketball or go surfing to watch netflix like whatever you do with your time but it can't be your god it can't be your idol your priority once you have a seat at the table is to serve the king and the will of the king your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because god wants his banquet hall full and if we want to be in the kingdom that jesus established there's work to do because there's still more room at the table I heard someone talk about the kingdom of God once. And I want to give you this, this image, okay? They described the kingdom of God like their grandma's kitchen table. And so I don't know if you had a grandma like this. I did. I had a grandma like this. Like, no matter who showed up, like, you were going to eat. Like, just, that's just how it is. And, like, there was always room at grandma's table. And so, like, she might be had, like, two quarts of soup that she was just going to serve the family. But somehow she could feed 97 people on that pot of soup. Keep adding water. Keep adding spices. If we got a little chicken stock, we can put in that thing. And the first scoop is just as good as the last scoop because grandma's going to feed people no matter what. And her table always has room. Like, you fill up the first four, six seats. But don't worry. There's a leaf in the middle. Pop. Two, four more people can pop up. When the table's full we pull up a few more chairs and that folding ladder that somebody uses to get to the shop shelf and we sit around the table like that and when that's full there's some little you know tray table trays you can pull out in the, the living room and there's a picnic table on the back porch there's always room at grandma's table to eat first of all if you're grandma no pressure okay this isn't the standard for grandma's but this is tables in the kingdom of god there's always room for one more and when you look around, our church community might look like we, we are proudly and happily like a, like a small church family or a family church, as a lot of people have heard it described. That's great. I, I confidently will say, like, I don't think it's our goal as a leadership to be a church of 5,000 people. If we had that many people we were ministering to, I would hope that we would have lots of small congregations meeting around this area and beyond. And that's great. But there is room at the table at Venture Church to eat, to fill ourselves with the goodness of God, his forgiveness, his grace. So go tell the marginalized, go tell the outcasts, 
And when you've met everybody who you think is maybe doesn't have an easy way in, go to the countryside. There are a lot of people who feel miles and miles and miles from God. They've been beat up by Christians or maybe they have a worldview or a lifestyle that they know isn't maybe considered compatible with Christianity. God does have standards and there is sin. But our sin doesn't disqualify us from hearing the invitation. We've got to be able to go into people's lives, meet them where they are, and start fostering a relationship with them so that they can come closer and closer to the goodness of God. There's always room at the table for one more. We're wrapping up this series today. And um, I just want to give us some things to think about. Like I think that's, I think that if, if, if Sunday morning teaching is at its best, that you don't go away saying like, Chris really put a bow on that one. I got nothing left to think about. But instead you walk away going, man, I got to think about that. And so I want to give you something to think about. Okay. I'm going to start with three questions and then I'm going to lead us to our challenge for the week. Every week we have a challenge. And so here's the three questions. And I think you can find yourself in one of these three questions, maybe more than one. So if you're a note taker, I encourage you to write down these questions. If you are a picture taker, it'll be on the screen, do that, uh, whatever. This is something I want you to chew on this week. Maybe if you meet with an accountability group or a Bible study or your spouse or someone at work that you do a Bible study with, these would be some great things to discuss. The first question is this, have you committed to be at the banquet? This is abstract, right? This is ban- banquet, what are we eating? Remember, this is the kingdom of God. Like someone at some point gave you an invitation, maybe. You might not have gotten an invitation yet, you're about to, but for even several weeks we've been talking about it on Sunday morning, has someone invited you into the walls of the kingdom of God to accept Jesus as your king, to submit to him as your Lord and have your life changed? Have you committed to being at the banquet? And my guess is that a large percentage of us in this room have, okay? You have. So how's that going at the banquet? Like, are, are you just sitting there gorging on the all-you-can-eat buffet? Or are you doing the work of the king as he heals you, as he helps you take next step? Have you had the invitation? If you haven't had the invitation, can I just invite you? You might have more questions. You might have more things you want to go through, and, and that's okay. But, man, there's so much room at the table for you. And you can walk alongside us as we figure it out together to become a Christian, to profess your faith in Jesus, to be baptized in his name for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of his Holy Spirit, which can drive you and teach you. Oh, it's so good. Have you, have you committed to the banquet? I want to encourage you to commit today. Maybe you've been here for a while, but maybe you're kind of like those religious leaders that Jesus was talking to. And you're like, oh, you know what? I'm really not in the game. I'm not doing kingdom stuff. That's okay. It's a lot of grace. There's a lot of grace in the kingdom of God. Let's do that. Second question. Are you playing your role in the kingdom or at the banquet? So if you've gotten the invitation and you've accepted the invitation, you've accepted Jesus, you're living for him. So what? This is not so that you can have a different religious affiliation for your Facebook status. That is not what this is for. This is not so you can get a scholarship at a college or fill out a survey so you can know what religion you identify with. There's a song that's out right now, and I can't remember all the details of it, but I I heard this phrase about this song that there's so many worldviews and world religions, but the difference between any worldview and world religion and the power of Jesus is that Jesus has the power to heal, like spiritually heal you. And in that healing comes the ability to move, to work. And so if you're at the table, what are you doing about it? 
Again, you, not, not everyone's called to start worldwide ministries like Casey or even preach on a Sunday like me or even teach Sunday school like Ashley in the back. Or like, but you've got a calling on your life, probably primarily as a parent or a spouse, probably also primarily as an employee that's shining your light when you go to work, probably primarily as a neighbor who makes a difference in your neighborhood. Loving the outcast, the cripple, the lame, the widow, the old lady or old man who no one's ever come to see them in weeks. Like maybe I should just go knock on the door and see if they're okay. Take them dinner, mow their grass, pull some weeds for them. Carry pockets of heaven with you everywhere that you go. Second question. This is the third question. Are you pursuing the heart of one other person to invite them to the banquet? Are you pursuing the heart of one other person to invite them to the banquet? I said earlier that the kingdom of God and the banquet is not like just Sunday morning attendance. It's not. But one good, like, tangible thing you could do is invite them to church on Sunday or invite them to your house for dinner. That's even better. Way less pressure for them and for you. Or to go to them and just tell you, I, I was so proud of you, Maria, for just sharing a piece of your story here this morning. And, and like, she, she preached a better sermon than I did today. Hands down. By simply saying, this is what God's done in my life. <laughs> this is what God's done in my life. And so your story, no matter how far that line goes for you, that's your story. That's your sermon. That's your message. That's your lesson. To share that with someone. Which leads us to this morning's challenge. This is our challenge, guys. Let's identify the name of of one person that you're saving a seat for. Identify the name of one person you're saving a seat for and decide what step you will take this week towards inviting them to the banquet. Because it might be like you can't walk in and be like, right now, hey, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now? I mean, if you've ever been knocked on the door by someone trying to evangelize you, even if you you already know Jesus, you're pretty quick to be like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) And then that's not our culture, but man, you can take steps with somebody, particularly someone that you already have a relationship with. Say, hey, I hear that's going on in your life. Can I, can I be praying about that for you? Do you mind if I pray right now? You're going to blow someone's mind and pray for them on the spot. It, very seldom will someone be like, nah, I don't do that. And even if they don't pray, they'll be like, well, if you do, it might help. Share your story. Share what God has done for you. What step? I mean, there's so, there's so many, 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 many steps. And eventually getting to a place where you can get at them and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Like, is your king? Because, man, it's made a difference in my life because I know him as mine. And if that's you here this morning... I want to tell you, it's made a difference in my life. Major difference. And I want to invite you to be part of that. Identify the name of one person you're saving a seat for and decide the steps you will take this week toward inviting them to the banquet. Can we just leave that up on the screen while I wrap up? Um, when you were in school, maybe, I, I did public school. I think most of us did. Homeschool is like a new fad. Um, but like most of us went to public school. Like, anybody ever save a seat for you in the cafeteria? Ain't a better feeling in the world. You walk in, someone's like, I remembered you. I know who you are, and I saved a spot for you. And at this table, there's room for you. Like, that is like the best feeling in the world. They put their book bag there. Like, you had the tables where you could prop the chair up. Like, I don't sit there. Now, it feels bad for that one kid. Like, no, I didn't save it for you. I saved it for them. Um, But, like, doesn't it feel good that someone said, like, I saved the seat for you. And I always felt bad for the kids in school. In fact, I always want to be one of the kids in school. It's like, they're new, new kid, or they got something going on. Maybe they're a little different or whatever. And they're sitting by themselves. Like, that's like the worst. Hey, I got room for you. I love that picture that Jesus shares of a banquet where there's room at the table for one more. And so as you think about that person, one of the biggest hangups for us when we want to talk to people about our faith is we're like, we, I don't know, it's awkward. Dude, 
do you feel awkward if someone comes up to you and is like, hey, I want you to know I care about you? Like, isn't that great news? It's not awkward when they tell you that. So for you to walk up to someone and say, listen, I just want you to know, man, I, I've been praying for you. Or lady or ma'am, friend. I've been praying for you. I know you. I want the best for you. Save a seat for them at the table. And as we do that, one person at a time, the kingdom of God will continue to come on earth as it is in heaven, as we take pockets of heaven with us everywhere that we go, here in Wilmington, as it is on heaven, in heaven. Let's pray.